I'd like to welcome you to the start of Spiritual New Week. Uh, we begin this evening, and also, isn't it a delight to have such a cool Sunday morning <laughs> in the amphitheater, a little bit cooler than our days have been. <laughs> On my very, very first speech uh, in 19... 19- 81, I was speaking in front of 250 people, and people all knew that I'd never spoken before. It was in Iowa, and the wind blew my notes across at the lot, and everybody went, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think we'll be okay today. <laughs> I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity. And uh, this is the demand for fervor in divine love. Teach me, O Spirit, to love thee as wholeheartedly as the miser loves money. Make me as attached to thee as a drunkard is addicted to wine. Teach me to cling to thee as erring ones do to their bad habits. Teach me to be as attentive to thee as a mother is to her child. Teach me to perform my duties diligently with my attention fully riveted on thee. Teach me to love thee as the worldly man loves his possessions. With the first love of true lovers, teach me to love thee. Shikteshwar, Yogananda's guru, said that it's our intense craving that creates a magnetic pool that brings God within the range of our spiritual vision. Uh, And uh, it it takes that love where we just want God more than anything else. Of course, that's a a whole journey, and I'll talk more about it in the talk today. Uh, But the simple answer uh, to today's reading is, yes, God does hide himself from us. And Swami Kriyananda talks about in the path, uh, before he uh, started formally on the path with, there we go, <laughs> uh, before we started formally uh, uh, on the path, uh, how he was just trying, he loved nature so much, and he was trying to feel himself uh, in uh, in the raindrops and in the flowers, and he just couldn't do it a- at all. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he just just felt trapped by his own ego. And, uh, and this is the problem, isn't it? The ego separates us from everything else. But uh, God, uh, knowing our propensity to be uh, being outward, there's a famous story that's told about him holding the key, the key of happiness. And he was talking to his uh, uh, fellow saints uh, up in heavens. Uh, and... Uh, and he wanted to hide this key for man because he wanted mankind to go through the journey in order to learn, uh, much like our bird uh, in the Festival of Light learned through his uh, journey. And so uh, one of the saints said, well, let's hide it on the highest mountain. They'll never get up there. He goes, oh, no, someday they'll invent oxygen and they'll climb up to the top of that mountain. Uh, Not invent oxygen, but oxygen tanks. (laughs) And, well, how about the the deepest part of the ocean? Oh, no, they'll uh, uh, create a machine that will take them all the way down there. And so God pondered for a moment and he said, I know what we'll do. We'll hide it in mankind himself, and he'll never bother to look there. 
And you know, he did a pretty good job of it because it takes the average soul over five million lifetimes of looking over here and looking over there and then finally starting to get a seeking suspicion that it's not out there, but it's in here. And this is when uh, the spiritual path really starts to begin because our energy is no longer centered out there. Uh, Master said that God is seeking us more than we are seeking him. And and it's really true. you, You think of all of nature, there's no ego in nature. And uh, somebody said that all nature is a, a meditation of the cosmic spirit. And, and so we're just surrounded uh, by meditation to, to help us to, uh, to be more reflective and to go inside. But as we start uh, that journey, God starts to meet us more than halfway. Uh, there's a beautiful story that a recent Expanding Light guest uh, told me. Uh, she had just taken her first meditation retreat. It was a Vipassana retreat. And uh, she had grown up fearful uh, because of her uh, childhood and her first marriage. She was essentially afraid of life. When she would see an insect, uh, the hairs on her arms would just kind of stand up, let alone you know, hear a deer in the brush or anything like that. So she was quite fearful. Well, she came out of the meditation hall. It was, uh, she had uh, been three days into the retreat, and she noticed a fox there uh, walking uh, beside her. And the, the, the fox was following her. And uh, she knew that the fox was following her because when she would stop, the fox would stop. And then when she would take a step, the fox would take a step. And he just matched her and, and followed her along. And so she got, uh, the next day she saw the fox as she left the morning meditation session and left the dining room, a dining hall. She uh, saw the fox again, and it just followed her along. And she was used to seeing the fox, and then one day, after three more days, uh, the fox wasn't there. And she looked around expecting to see the fox, but it was gone. Uh, And so she walked on ahead back to her room, and she saw the fox sitting there right on the path. And she wanted to go to her room uh, to get something. And she walked up to the fox, and the fox wouldn't move. And so she started to step around the fox, and the fox stepped to match her. And so she started to walk this way, and the fox uh, walked over this way and wouldn't let her pass. So it was, she didn't understand why, um, uh, but she had felt, you know, comfortable with the fox. She wasn't afraid of it. So she turned around back towards the dining hall, and she got 100 feet, and she heard a scream. And she looked back at the fox, and the fox was still there, and evidently somebody had come on the path the other way, and uh, they screamed, rattlesnake! And within 10 feet of the, uh, the fox was a rattlesnake. And she saw that the fox had been protecting her. And, you know, you, we, we, I know all the things I d- did as a dumb kid. <laughs> and you know that we all, each had to have a, a guardian angel just to help us to make it this far. And, uh, you know, it, it just God is closer than we know. And it, it is always, always with us. And, you know, after a while, God will reveal himself so that we start to get a deep feeling that that's true. And then we begin to trust it. 
And then we get a teaching that helps us to bring us inside so that we can start to experience God in a dynamic way. (laughs) You know, when our love for God never changes... <laughs> I think I have it pretty much in my mind anyway, but it was such what I thought was good things I wanted to make sure I uh, remembered. But when, when our love for God never changes, that's when God comes to us because He knows finally that we want only Him and nothing. Uh, outside of ourself. We're made in the image of God, and the soul is infinite like God is. And he wants us to be beyond uh, uh, physical manifestation, because in our spirit we are too. God is beyond vibratory creation. Even love is uh, permeating all existence, but he's not touched by it, and he wants us to be that way too. And uh, and so this is a very, very important test, and, and the God will come to us in different ways just to help learn this lesson. There's a beautiful story about, uh, uh, I'm going to have to get his name right, uh, a beautiful story about Baba Punjab Singh. He was Sikh, and the Sikh religion, they practice uh, uh, this principle called Chadi Kala. And what Chadi Kala is, is always having an optimistic, joyful attitude. And uh, no matter what happens, what adversity you feel, uh, there's just a sense of deep acceptance of God's will in, in the situation, but feeling a real sense of joy. And they talk about this as a principle that is freeing of the energy and making the energy ascend, which is very interesting, isn't it? Because that's, of course... Kriya Yoga, the principle of when we don't have resistances and uh, we aren't identified with smallness, the energy flows naturally, doesn't it? Well, Baba, uh, forgot. <laughs> Baba, uh, let's see, excuse me, Punjab Singh, <laughs> he, um, he spent a year in the hospital and uh, he couldn't speak. And his sons would come in every day, and they would chant the name of God to him all day long. And they'd say prayers to God with him. And day after day, you know, month after month, they would do this for him. And one day, uh, one of his sons asked, um, uh, Papaji, uh, are you in Chadikala? And uh, Papaji, uh, as you know, couldn't speak. And he communicated through eye blinks. One blink was no. Two blinks was yes. Well, in reply to, are you in Chadikala, the state of optimism and joy, of a deep acceptance of God's will, Papaji, he blinked once. Then he blinked again. And Papaji conveyed that he was, yes, in Chadikala. Just, uh, just full acceptance of God's will with deep joy. And as a devotee goes through experiences of life, you know, uh, it's, that's really the whole purpose of the, uh, of the test, of the experience, isn't it? 
is just to really to hold on to God. Sometimes we feel like uh, God has a long coattail and we're hanging on for all, all that we can. Uh, but that's, that's, uh, that's the way to freedom. And, and eventually, as we do that more and more, there becomes that trust in God and that uh, we start to see God more and more is the only reality in our lives. And sometimes he'll, you know, up the ante and, and make it more challenging to, to heal because to, he wants to strengthen us. I, I remember uh, in uh, my freshman year of high school, uh, we had wrestling uh, for the first time at Eva City High School. And so I went out for the wrestling team and uh, we... Um, we practiced for three days, and I, I discovered muscles I never knew I had. <laughs> and we were just so sore, we couldn't even turn our neck. and uh, uh, Had to turn our whole body. Uh, and we learned bridging exercises. And this is where you're on your back, and you put like this. And we were a new wrestling program. And so the whole year, most of our teammates, we spent most of our matches on our backs. And so, <laughs> so it turned out to be the best, uh, our best wrestling move because <laughs> we could stay long enough in the match, and then we won some. And actually, we won more than we uh, had lost. But, uh, but it, it, it's just it's a process of getting strength. And, uh, and that's the, the, the purpose, isn't it? Uh, when we're challenged is that inner growth and that inner assurance assurance that it's it's only god that's important and that uh exists you know i i've been thinking about uh meditation and how uh meditation uses one of our soul faculties one of uh, one of our soul senses to perceive god you know with our physical physical senses uh we see matter uh, Swami was talking uh, once about that we have the option to touch something or to touch the whole universe. Uh, and, and that's the touch. When we feel uh, Om vibrating in every atom in existence when that day comes, uh, or maybe that day has come for you, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just, our, our consciousness is just greatly expanded. And through Hong Sa, we feel God is peace, uh, one of the attributes of God. Uh, Kriya Yoga, we feel uh, God is joy. Christ said that um, I have come so you may live life more abundantly. Well, energy is joy and awareness, aliveness. And when we concentrate that energy through Kriya Yoga, isn't, that's the, the bliss and the joy that we feel. Uh, and Om uh, is uh, the, the, the sound of the universe, of every vibrating uh, atom humming in the universe. And so it, it's, it's actually a feeling technique, but also a sound and light. And we have a direct perception of the attributes, the qualities of God. Uh, Master said that God is only revealed beyond the dirt of matter. And it takes strong, devo- great devotion and meditation in order to to, to be able to experience and, and to see God. There's a, um, a story of a Sunday school teacher, and he was asking uh, his uh, Protestant uh, uh, children, uh, if, uh, what would it take for me to go to heaven if I sold my car and gave all the money to the church, uh, if I held a garage sale and gave all that money I earned to the church, would that get me to heaven? And the children all said, no. <laughs> and he said, well, if I uh, 
clean the church every day? And if I mowed the lawn, would that get me into heaven? And the children said, no. And then one five-year-old little boy said, you got to be dead to go to heaven. <laughs> but you know, he was right. Even St. Paul would agree to him, would agree with him, because St. Paul said, I, I, date, I die daily, meaning that um, I commune with the Christ consciousness, the, the eternal bliss of the Christ consciousness, as Master put it. And it's in withdrawing the energy, isn't it, that uh, God starts to uh, be revealed. And, uh, and it's, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure... We're all the same in terms of we have these aspirations where we want to really feel God. As Swami was trying to feel behind nature, you could hear in his affirmation today how he feels himself in everything. And he, he successfully has had his wish answered. And we all have had that wish to feel that sense of oneness uh, with life and to have a technique where we can really have dynamic experience, a growing experience of that uh, is so precious. You know, we're all projections of the spiritual eye. You know, we have the star of spirit, the stillness of God beyond creation. And then we have the field of blue. Uh, and the, uh, that's the cause of the world, the, the thought of God. And it's the realm of Om, uh, of God wanting to just bless all creation with his love, through his love. And then we have the astral world, the yellow ring, uh, and that's uh, the field of energy. Uh, and, and, and then, of course, physical manifestation. And it's a... Uh, Master said that God works from the inside out. And when we commune with that deep part in ourselves. I want to read uh, right now Swami's visualization of the spiritual eye. Many of you may know it, but as I read it, I'd like you to feel the joy and the bliss in Swami's words as he enters into the spiritual eye in the, in the visualization. So why don't you close your eyes and sit up. Concentrate at the point between the eyebrows. Visualize there a tunnel of golden light. Mentally enter the tunnel and feel yourself surrounded by a glorious sense of happiness and freedom. As you move through the tunnel, feel yourself bathed by the light until all worldly thoughts disappear. After soaring through the tunnel as long as you feel to do so, visualize before you a curtain a deep violet blue light. Pass through, that, pass through that curtain into another tunnel of deep violet blue light. Feel the light surrounding you. Slowly the tunnel walls disappear into blue light. Expand your consciousness into that light, into infinite freedom and bliss. Now there is no tunnel. There is only the all-encompassing blueness and bliss of infinity. At last, visualize before you a silvery white five-pointed star of light. Mentally spread out your arms and legs, assuming with your body the shape of that star. Give yourself to it in body, mind, and soul as you surrender every thought, every feeling to absolute self-existing bliss.
You can open your eyes now. At Ananta now we have a campaign to, to be the change. And a lot of people, uh, they want to change the, the world. And there's a story of Mark Twain that said that uh, to uh, change oneself is noble. Uh, to change others and ask them to do so is nobler and a whole lot of less trouble. <laughs> but uh, I was meditating on this principle, and I realized that Ananda, we aren't trying to change the world. We're trying to become the world in our consciousness, aren't we? The master, in the end of his cosmic, cos, uh, cosmic uh, chapter in the autobiography, he talks about, in his experience, everything was happening within me. And Lahiri Mahashaya, Yogananda's guru's guru. Uh, he, uh, he talks about the way that uh, humankind treats nature as a servant. But he said that through Kriya Yoga, that we develop a, a, a reverence for all existence. And we, uh, we experience the proper way to ex- uh, treat uh, all of life. And so it's only on that level, isn't it, where, as Kripal Singh said, that when you experience the divine essence in yourself, you're able to see it and feel it in every, everything around you. And it really takes that kind of experience to really have that regard for all of life. And so this is really at the core of what we're, what we're trying to do and uh, be the change. Of course, the, the, the form that we are trying to change is, is through meditation. I'd like to read, uh, I found something really thrilling this morning uh, from St. John of the Cross. And I'd like to read it to you because his words are so powerful. And he's really talking about the inner state of being one with God. The more spiritual a man is, the more he discontinues trying to make particular acts with his faculties, for he becomes more engrossed in one general, pure act, a calm and repose of interior quietude. Since people do not understand the mystery of that new experience, they imagine themselves to be idle and doing nothing. They must learn to abide in that quietude with a loving attentiveness to God. At this stage, the faculties are at rest and do no work actively, but passively by receiving what God is affecting in them. And that's a a beautiful testament to when God is truly the doer. It's when you're in the own vibration, uh, you you feel the the power of God that's uh, animating and created the whole universe. It's said that when you're in touch with the own vibration, that you have the ability to do great works in life. And I was thinking about Swami Kriyananda and how he just was able to write book after book. And uh, uh, he was talking about writing uh, Revelations of Christ and uh, about hearing the own vibration, although it was like a, a divine blessing. Uh, and, that, of course, that's what was uh, inspiring him. I read in the New York Times uh, a famous writer. Um, I don't want to say his name because I'm not sure if I'm correct. Uh, but they were asking him the secret to writing. And he said, one of the great secrets of writing is to dump the author. <laughs> and didn't, isn't that what Swami did a long time ago? 
and, and God was the doer through him. And uh, the more that we can commune with God inwardly, Swami in a, uh, a talk, How to Commune with God, he, he said that uh, often people, they, uh, they feel a little bit of inspiration, and then the, in their prayers they say, God, what would you like me to do? What would you like me to do? Uh, uh, could it be this? Uh, or how about this? Uh, and uh, and he, he said people are very restless with that inspiration. Uh, what God really wants us to do is to sit quietly and be absorbed in his presence so that we really know the divine will and can then live by that divine will. And the more that we can do that, uh, the quicker we'll find inner freedom because that divine will wants to bring us back uh, into itself. Uh, I, uh, in, in Patanjali, uh, Yogananda, he wrote that God is the greatest magician because he can take what is unreal and make it seem awful real at times. And I remember one time I was going through a really absurd situation and it was, uh, it was just a really lively, wild uh, thing. Um, and uh, nothing I was doing, just something that had come to me. Uh, well, it was part of the illness. And uh, I, I was under two down comforters, had my down coat on and stocking cap. And I was just had these chills and I was like thrashing all over the bed. I couldn't get warm. And it was Master's Mahasamadhi and Nandi and I were supposed to uh, help lead it uh, with, uh, I think, the McSweeney's. And here I was in this bed and uh, all this uh, 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 was going on. I just remembered this quotation about God is the greatest musician. I was saying, you're really doing a good job because this seems awful real right now. <laughs> and I just started laughing. And, and you know, Master said that we could reduce the pain by, uh, you know, just one-tenth of what it is with just having the right perspective and just having an understanding of what kind of what's going on rather than being just being knocked around all over the place. And, you know, and this, uh, and then we have uh, these experiences of, you know, a divine blessing and seeing God as a divine reality. And that gives us assuredness and a, a check-in point where we can refer to uh, when things get challenging. Uh, Swami Shivananda, he talks about uh, God as the canvas. And on that canvas, there might be a painted tiger and a, a large knife and a raging fire painted on that canvas. And he said that the, the knife cannot stab you and the fire cannot burn you and the tiger cannot bite you because when we're in the reality of God, uh, it's the canvas of life. It's all existence uh, that, that we're experiencing and things uh, can't touch us. Uh, uh, and, and the more that we have that attitude uh, and the more that we affirm that attitude, uh, the more we'll be free from everything. I was just thinking about the reading uh, as I was uh, starting to prepare for Sunday service and, uh, and where it says, does God hide uh, himself hide the truth from us and uh, of course in the beginning he does but the Bhagavad Gita talks about how to the devotee God reveals himself as uh, brighter than a thousand suns and Saint Chesa of Avila I think it was that said that one instant of divine communion uh, the soul learns more than years of study and so it's 
it's all there for us, isn't it? And it has been all along, and we're all tapping into it and experiencing uh, this uh, incredible uh, self-experience of the divine, uh, self-realization on, the, on our path. And so the idea that God hides himself, he doesn't want to inconvenience soul, souls in the beginning. Uh, he wants the souls to come to him. And once the soul does then that's when he comes and bestows his full presence and blessings. Bless us all.